from a bar mitzvah at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem to a temple procession in Taipei. The people of our world are passionate about their beliefs. Are you listening? Tune in to the sounds of your world on Radio Taiwan International. Hello and welcome to Radio Taiwan International. I am Natalie So. And we are going to be bringing you some interesting sounds this hour on Ear to the Ground. And Ryan will bring you an interesting sound from Taiwan. And also we have jade bells and bamboo pipes, where Carlson Wong will be bringing you some beautiful classical Chinese music. But first, join us for Here in Taiwan. Welcome to Here in Taiwan. It's Wednesday, October 16th, and in the studio we have Andrew Ryan. Hi there. And Jake Chen. Hello. And I am Natalie So. Now, how old is your brain? Well, we have some new artificial intelligence technology here in Taiwan that can tell you just that. And we'll be telling you about that. Also, we'll be telling you about one of the most popular majors in Taiwan. And a disturbing trend in a hot new industry in Taiwan, the food delivery industry. And we have a universal volunteers group that was started by an Indonesian migrant worker. We'll be telling you more about that exciting group coming right up. Okay, Andrew, tell us about this new technology that can tell us about our brains. Well, how old do you think your brain is, Natalie? Um, <laughs> I hope it's... I don't know if I want it to be old or young. Is it good to be old or young? How about you, Jake? Do you have any idea? 30 years old. I know what you're talking about, but I, so I hope my brain is younger than my actual age. That is correct. We hope okay. our brain is younger than our actual age. Oh, so yes. you don't grow wiser with age? Well, I mean, it depends. I think if you're a child, you probably grow wiser with age. But once you're an adult... That may after not 21? be the after case. After 25, I think. Yeah. Then the brain is fully developed, I think. Yes, then. it's all downhill from there. <laughs> <laughs> so researchers from National Yaoming University have invented a technology that can help us answer the question of how old or relatively how old our brain is. Because obviously, you know, uh, as long as you have a kind of an accurate birth certificate, you know how old your brain is. Uh, the question is, how old is it compared to the rest of your body? And is it performing or functioning uh, the same way that other people of your age, um, their brains are functioning? So what they've done is they have invented a technology that involves an MRI machine, so magnetic resonance imaging. Uh, you lie down on it, they wheel you into it, and then they scan your brain for about 30 minutes. Wow, that's a long time. It is a while. Every um, single angle, huh? Well, I don't know if it's, I don't know if you're in there for 30 minutes, but the whole process, the process takes, takes about 30 okay. minutes. And then um, they take the scans and then they use artificial intelligence to calculate the relative age of your brain based on what the scan looks like. So for two, for example, for two 70 year olds, the, the difference could be dramatic. And basically, just to give you a rough idea of what the two um, different brain scans would look like um, for different kind of relative ages of brains, for the relatively younger brain, it would have more gray matter. You hear about people talking about gray matter being, in, you know, what your brain is made up of. So all the parts of the brain scan that are grayish um, are the parts that are functioning well, while 
the parts that are blacker or darker um, show that your brain is not functioning as well. So you can see it's little black holes in your brain. <laughs> getting bigger and bigger. <laughs> getting bigger and bigger. Um, in particular, you can also look at the brain ventricles at the center of your brain. If you look at it from um, the top, it looks kind of like an X. And if you have a really dark X, um, so the brain ventricles are much darker um, and larger, that means that your relative brain age is a little bit older. So why is all of this important? Well, it's because people with relatively older brains have a higher risk of different things like psychiatric or neurological risks, and of course, a higher risk of death. Oh, they I say that, about dementia. But, uh, yeah. Well, that as well. Probably, that's, right? that's what we yeah, mean by psychiatric and neurological risks, oh, okay. right? Mm. Um, but uh, the mortality rate increases <gasps> by 6.1% for every year that your brain, your relative brain age is older than your actual age. Oh, wow. So you want to be at least your age or yes, younger. Yes, your right. age. If you're older, then you might die earlier. Yes. And what can wow. you do about it? So let's say you get a brain scan. You see lots of black spots on your brain. Oh, that means you need to be passive, uh, not passively. You need to be actively using your brain. So instead of going home and sitting in front of your TV <laughs> and like having them tell you like the plot... You need to actually be doing something like writing playing. Writing your own script. No. <laughs> yeah, well, writing your own script, write your own dramas. Right. Um, or, you know, act them out in your mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, maybe don't do that. Um, like playing chess or... Um, uh-huh, mahjong. Yeah, mahjong, doing things with your eyes and hands. Crossword puzzles. Crossword puzzles are great. Sudoku. Yeah, yeah that um, I'm terrible at Sudoku. So this will so. help us live longer, basically, if we use our brain more. That yeah. is true. You can listen to RTI and like, you know, write us a letter (laughs) about what you think. (laughs) Your thoughts on all of our shows. I'm sure that'll help you live longer. Good idea. RTI, exercise for your mind. Jake, tell us about a very popular major in Taiwan. Right. Um, I think in a story that uh, Andrew just talked about, we, we mentioned the use of artificial intelligence in the analysis of the brain. And uh, this is a new trend in a lot of growing and existing industries in Taiwan. Uh, AI, and this is not an overstatement, AI really is getting everywhere, right? In the mm-hmm. automotive industry, in uh, the medical care industry, for sure, a lot of equipments are increasingly incorporating uh, artificial intelligence. So the study of that has becoming sort of this new uh, hot program among universities in Taiwan. Take uh, this year, for example, when we look at the National Jiao Tong University and the National Chenggong University, one of the better universities here in, in Taiwan, the rate of admission of all the people who applied for uh, artificial intelligence is respectively 14 and 20%, um, which means a lot of people applied and not many have gotten in. Many experts in the field uh, said that uh, this is just we're just seeing the beginning of how AI can be utilized in so many industries, uh, and uh, this you know it's a field that's growing that that offer a lot of jobs and um, yeah I guess that's why a lot of young people are flocking to these programs. Yeah, instead of being replaced by AI, just get into AI, right? <laughs> right, you like command it instead of being right, replaced. Right, really. And you can replace other people. <laughs> <laughs> So, well, the thing here in Taiwan is you have to declare major before you even start school, and then you apply for that major. So that's different than um, in the States, where you just get into mm. a university, mm-hmm. right? And so, you can change halfway through. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, when I applied for university, I definitely applied to a specific school. 
Well, you have um, the art school, the engineering school, but yeah. you have to pick your major until end of sophomore year, I think. I did. I had to pick mine right away, but really? I but I also changed. Really? Yeah. Okay. Is yeah. it easy? Okay. It's easy to change. Yeah, it's super easy. You don't have to like reapply to the same school. Right. You can stay within the same university, but change majors. Okay. Uh, so, well, anyways, AI is a very hot new field yeah. so it's it makes sense it's a hot new major makes me nervous i feel like my scooter's gonna like know everything about me just when i oh sit my down gosh. do you guys ever like when you type emails and then it <laughs> finishes your sentence for you yeah it's, and a new it's exactly what, what you're you thinking we're thinking I'm like what this person knows me <laughs> same thing when you search on youtube or ebay it, yeah. yeah i worry That's about scary. like and ads for things that i've um that I've looked for on Google show up in an, a totally unrelated platform oh. like Yahoo. It's like, wait a minute. One was on Google. One was Aren't they competitors? Why do they know? Why, are they sharing information? You're probably not aware of what's going on under the table between yeah. those corporations. Oh, I don't think anyone is. <laughs> right. Yeah. Except the people that work at those corporations. So. Yeah, on the top. Mm. Maybe we should get into AI. <laughs> Maybe we should. Maybe we should like make it part of our show or something. I don't know. <laughs> but I don't think it would be the same with, I don't think computers can host uh, TV, radio shows, radio TV shows. shows? No. I, yeah. I recently did, uh, uh, somebody did an experiment, a video essayist trained an AI to like the guy himself writes film reviews. Mm -hmm. So he trained an AI built by his friend to write a film analysis for him. And? And, and I listened through the whole 12 minutes. It's grammatically coherent, the whole thing. You mm -hmm. mean it's an audio, a podcast? It's, uh, it's like the, the video and the voice is entirely generated by wow. an AI. So like how the words fits with the image. And it's not half bad. It's, it, at you some know, point it doesn't make sense, but it's not half bad. There was someone um, who used a computer to, to um, apply for the Pulitzer Prize and mm -hmm. they got nominated. What? Yeah. In what? I don't remember which like category. Re reporting? Uh, so maybe in poetry. That's maybe really the poetry scary. category. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I don't think an AI can chat like we've been chatting, right? No. No. It doesn't have the humor. Okay, um, we have another big industry that's become very popular is the food delivery industry. Do you guys ever order food and have someone deliver it to you? We order it every Thursday here at RTI, but oh, I won't tell right. you from who. But it's, okay. <laughs> Ours is a little bit different though. You're talking about like actual food delivery services, not right, restaurants that deliver. a third person deliver. that's yeah. delivering for you. And that's become a very popular job. Yeah. But unfortunately, it's become a dangerous job as well, as we just mm. saw over the weekend. Um, over the last five days, three people have died mm. due to scooter accidents. Do you, do you know that every time I stop at a red light... Um, there's almost always, I would say at least half the time, there's a food delivery person in the same uh, kind of little box that I'm in. Really? Yeah, that's how many, it's incredible. Just in the last six months, the number of food delivery uh, personnel has skyrocketed in Taipei. Really? It's become yeah. very popular. I've noticed that too. Huge, like overwhelming. I haven't yeah. tried it yet because I feel like I don't want to pay someone extra to, <laughs> yeah. to do what I can do. Well, you know, the other problem though is too, is if you go to a restaurant in the middle of the night, like, let's say you go to a, a fast food chain or like, you know, a restaurant that's still open. You might actually end up waiting at the counter because there's four delivery guys sitting there waiting to pick up somebody else's order. So if it's in the middle of the night, you might start like ordering delivery because you just can't compete I if know, you go in person. I don't want to eat in the middle of the night. Well, lucky you. <laughs> 
anyway, oh gosh, it's it's really sad. So two delivery uh, food delivery drivers were killed over the weekend. Actually, a third today. And a third mm-hmm. uh, yesterday, hit, sorry, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. hit a 74-year-old man who was jaywalking. Mm-hmm. So a pedestrian was killed um, mm-hmm. by a food delivery scooter. It's so sad. Um, Jake, you have a story about what they're trying to do to protect themselves, right? Right. Um, you ever remember that time uh, when uh, either your mom and dad forced you to wear that jacket that's really embarrassing but keep you warm? Uh, well, yes. this is... <laughs> I have that too. Right. <laughs> Multiple times. Yeah. Not anymore. Uh, I don't want to remember. But uh, yeah, so this is the guy who um, posted himself wearing this just totally reflective jacket uh, because his grandpa just forced him to do so. Uh, apparently, I'm guessing Senior has uh, heard of the several accidents that were uh, lethal. Uh, so this is a delivery man with a reflective jacket. Right. So it's no longer a problem of whether you can see him. You can't not see him. It's uh, It's pretty reflective. It's like chrome all yeah. over all over his upper body. Yeah, it's, it's, I guess it's, it's unfortunate that uh, delivery uh, workers have to resort to uh, mat- uh, measures like this to protect themselves because currently, as far as I know, they're not covered uh, under insurance. Like mm-hmm. they're considered commissioned workers, not employees. Mm. Contract employees, right? Yeah. Right. So. There were two um, press conferences that were held on Monday in which um, lawmakers and delivery people were asking for unions and new legislation um, I believe that we had that in the news as right, well. Right, right. So this is definitely something necessary for this field. I mean, it's mm-hmm. so dangerous. Right. Uh, whereas delivery companies, I think one of them, which I shall not name, still came out after the accident and said, uh, you know, we consider our relationship, the labor relations that we have with the workers uh, as a contract one, not a formal one. But apparently so, they also had insurance, though, for their uh, delivery people and for them hitting other people as well, right? Yes. It is mostly the third party, i.e. the other people that they mm-hmm. cover. Uh, but also life insurance. Life insurance, yeah, but mm. not injuries for the workers themselves. Ah, okay. So that's a, sort of a loophole. Oh, that's terrible. It is. Yeah. Mm. Well, I think scooters in general are kind of dangerous, and you ride one every day, don't you, Andrew? Yeah, we're not going to talk about that right now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Take care out there. I will. I will. Unusual stance by a student here in Taiwan. Can you tell us about that? Uh, right. Uh, this is a young lady called uh, Chen Yuxuan who uh, studies who, uh, at uh, the Tsinghua University in Beijing. And uh, he posted a short video uh, supporting unification. I think more so than unification, is more so the identification of herself as a Chinese in person. In Beijing? Yes. Oh, but she's a Taiwanese? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like I said, more so is that she identifies herself as a Chinese person. So uh, it is to be expected that uh, her stance has drawn pretty different reactions from people of both sides of the Taiwan Strait. Um, a lot of people uh, sort of express support towards her in China. She also said that uh, many of her family members support her stance as well. Uh, many in Taiwan, on the other hand, uh, has said, uh, I'm not going to repeat what they said. Some of them can be quite nasty like you're you're just supporting sort of the, the chinese government etc um calling her yeah like i said i'm not gonna re- traitor that kind of stuff yeah shameless and stuff yeah um yeah some pretty drastic stance i think we've talked about it earlier it's it's rare nowadays to see sort of younger people uh taking that stance we more so well, she's in China, so See, now I'm not as surprised. If she were in Taiwan, I would be really surprised. If she's mm. in China, she just kind of wants to follow the crowd over there. I mean, pretty much mm. everyone believes that in China. Is there anyone who can support Taiwan independence in China and be vocal about it? You can. 
You can. Yeah, uh, of course you can. Not a, I don't like know about not that. super wise idea. <laughs> no, yeah, it's not wise, but I don't think it's categorized as quote unquote illegal. Right, right, yeah. right, right, right. Well, it's not illegal to say that here in Taiwan either. I think it's right. but the way it's received is probably similar in terms of the average person's response to it. So if you had somebody here, uh, you know, that was in Beijing, it was saying um, pro Taiwan independent stuff. It would probably be very similar to the responses to her uh, comments that you saw online mm. as well. Yeah. Um, I think it's pretty divisive. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a very hot and very uh, touchy, emotional topic, as we can see mm-hmm. through all that's been going on uh, throughout the world. But we won't get into all of that. Mm. It's a <laughs> the big NBA story. And the yes. blizzard and all, all those. But um, it is interesting that there are Taiwanese students who are pro unification. Huh? Yeah, for somebody who's that young, I think that's that's not a common uh, viewpoint. Right. I mean, there are a lot of older people who who were born in mainland China and then came to Taiwan who mm-hmm. are still pro unification and like identify my dad as Chinese. And, and yeah. His right. generation, his friends and all that. A lot of people like that. I think majority of people support the status quo right now. So they fall somewhere on a spectrum. Right. Most yeah. people don't really want things to change. Right? Mm. They want to enjoy their freedom and democracy here and then not uh, ruffle feathers That's way, probably right? the biggest group. I think the biggest group is no change, don't want any change to life. The second biggest group might be pro-independence. Mm. Uh, and then I think the unification, pro-unification is a small and shrinking number here in Taiwan. I think that's that's roughly accurate yeah. so. for public yeah. opinion. Yeah. So uh, interesting story there. about a nice uh, volunteer group started by a migrant worker three years ago. Um, Maya is from Indonesia, and she started a group called Universal Volunteer. And what they basically do is go around to different beaches in Taiwan and clean up on the weekends. Mm. So she was at Fugui Cape with 15 other people last weekend, the long weekend. And people from all nationalities are joining. They're like Westerners and um, local Taiwanese people. And she actually was doing this in Indonesia as well. Um, And she continued her uh, love for the beach and and for the earth um, when she came here to Taiwan. And she said she's been, she doesn't know exactly how many events she's done, but around 50 since she's been here. And they usually find like piles of plastic bottles, fishing nets, styrofoam, food packaging, abandoned fishing gear. Um, so what do you guys think about this? It's great. I, I mean, think I think it's, it's it's really great when people have kind of an interest in their country of origin and then they continue doing that wherever they move. You know, it's something that goes with you, um, you know, and to, you know, want to do something for your host country. That's something I definitely feel that's, pretty strongly as well. That's really awesome. Yeah. And guess how much trash they usually collect each time? How many kilograms? Oh, like per person? Uh, well, oh. as, a, as a group, usually about 20 people go out at one time. And how much do they collect in one day? 20 kilograms. 20? <laughs> I'd say probably like three times that. 300 kilograms. Wow. <laughs> That's a lot of trash. Wow, well, yeah. it makes you very happy and also very sad. <laughs> I know. Yeah, That's a lot trash. of trash. She's doing a lot of good work out there. And we can pick up our own trash while we're at it, right? Mm. All righty. So uh, thanks for joining us for Here in Taiwan. And uh, do stay tuned for Ear to the Ground. And Jane Bells and Bamboo Pipes for here in Taiwan. I'm Natalie So. I'm Andrew Ryan. And I'm Jake Chen. Thanks for joining us.
I have to say, I'm not really much of an artist. I've never really taken lessons, and up until last year, I'd never really done anything bigger than a sheet of notebook paper. Then about a year ago, a friend of mine from the Atayal tribe here in Taiwan asked me to paint a two-meter square wall for her. So I did it, and I was pretty proud of myself, and after I was done, I promptly put my brush down and finished my career in art. But then a couple weeks ago, I get this call from the same friend, and it turns out she has another section of wall that needs painting, and this time it's 22 meters long. I'm Andrew Ryan, and in today's Year to the Ground, I bring you to the village of Nalo to meet the people who would end up painting that wall. A student from National Jiaotong University is teaching a group of freshmen how to sing a song. They're part of a mountain volunteer group, which means that every weekend they go up into the village of Nalo in Xinju County to lead special activities for the local kids. Today it's orientation for the freshman volunteers, and the song they're learning is a folk song about being called up into the mountains. Singing was just one part of their orientation. They also made handicrafts, went on a treasure hunt, and watched performances by the upperclassmen. And of course, they also sampled the local rice wine. For these volunteers, painting a section of wall at my friend Yao's house has also become part of the tradition. And this year, since their section is adjacent to the piece that I painted before, Yao suggested that we all work together. So I ended up designing an extension of my original piece. It features the surrounding mountains and a tile woman weaving traditional cloth, a young warrior holding up the cloth, and then a selection of college students and local children who are following the cloth back to the village. Now, there are also some flying cabbages in the design. The hope is that the local vegetables can fly off to the big cities and make a profit for the farmers. Now, I wasn't sure how this was all going to go down or what my role in the whole project was, but I definitely felt that I'd walked into something that was much, much larger than my little design. On the first morning after I got there, a number of upperclassmen helped me to transfer the drawing onto the wall with some pastels. We put numbers and letters to indicate the color that was to be used in each section. Then in the afternoon, the new recruits filled in almost the entire 22-meter-long wall in just three hours. I was shocked, and of course very pleased. I stood back and watched them working together, some of them concentrating intently on the painting, while others were spending more time playing with the kids. Sometimes it's important to let people grow and learn and make mistakes, even if they drip paint all over the place. After all, it can always be touched up. The next morning, I was awakened by the sound of banging. The students were learning how to cook glutinous rice and bamboo stalks and they were stuffing the contents into the open end of each segment and tapping the tubes on the table to help pack it in tightly. I kept looking at the wall from a distance, itching to get a closer look and to begin touching it up. Later, when the group traipsed off to climb a mountain on the other side of the valley, I went back to the wall with some of the upperclassmen, and together we began slowly touching up the painting. A second coat of paint here, some straighter lines there, And we added some details, too. Facial expressions, shading, patterns on the clothing. 
And about four to five hours later, the whole mural was done. Now, there's no way I could have painted the whole thing by myself, even if you gave me a whole month to do it. But I'll admit, it wasn't always easy for me to lighten up and take a back seat while other people were painting the wall. But when there are so many people involved, you have to step back and watch your baby take on a life of its own. In the end, the mural was far better than I expected, thanks to the college kids. I was touched by their dedication and by how they'd made friends with the local kids by the end of their trip. I wave to the volunteers as they head out scooter by scooter, embarking on the long journey back down the mountain. I'm proud of what we accomplished together. And no, I still don't think I'm an artist, but I do believe that you can accomplish anything you put your mind to, especially with a little help from your friends. With an ear to the ground, I'm Andrew Ryan. Explore the beauty of Chinese and Taiwanese traditional music on jade bells and bamboo pipes. Hello and welcome to this week's jade bells and bamboo pipes. I'm Carlson Wong, and today we'll play for you favorite wind pieces of Du Chong. And to start off, we'll listen to Spring in Lhasa. This music conveys a picture of the ancient city of Lhasa in spring with flowers in full bloom and people gather together and sing and dance together.
Lhasa. Lhasa is the capital of the Tibet Autonomous Region. And coming up, we'll listen to pastoral. This is arranged according to a folk song in Inner Mongolia. The music played by Pai Xiao leads us to an immense and beautiful prairie conveying a picture of reverie and longing.
This is Radio Taiwan International. 今天 you're listening to Jade Bells and Bamboo Pipes. I'm Carlson Wong. Today we feature favorite wind pieces of Du Chong. Du Chong graduated from the Shanghai Conservatory of Music in 1985, and he entered Shanghai Traditional Music Orchestra in the same year. Du Chong has played in many countries as a soloist. He has played in the Netherlands, Belgium, France, and Hong Kong, and has recorded more than ten CD albums. The music is performed by Shanghai Traditional Music Orchestra, which was founded in 1952, and it is the earliest large-scale traditional music performing group in China.
was Spring in the Date Garden. The melody depicts a picture of harvest. The use of Allegro enhances the atmosphere of the harvest with birds chirping and singing merrily. And that music was accompanied by the Shanghai Traditional Music Orchestra. And come here, we'll listen to a Japanese folk song. And this is called Ode to Spring. A tongxiao made of bamboo cut into one Chinese foot and eight Chinese inches is called sakuachi. And there are five holes. It has a richer timbre than shell instrument, especially with a broad range of trill, making a striking impression on you, listener. The composer uses a classical and typical Japanese tone. It's graceful melody depicts a beautiful and lively picture of spring and again this music is accompanied by the Shanghai Traditional Music Orchestra.
that you have enjoyed listening to favorite wind pieces of Du Zhong, the performer, with the accompaniment of the Shanghai Traditional Music Orchestra. Thank you for listening. For comments and suggestions, please write to PO Box One Two Three Dash One Nine Nine Taipei Taiwan, and our email address is rti at rti dot or dot tw. And again, RTI is short for Radio Taiwan International. And I do look forward to your comments and suggestions. Once again, thank you for listening. I'm Carlson Wong, and I'll see you next week. Until then, goodbye. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In Southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kilohertz. Again, that's in Southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kilohertz. And in Southeast Asia, from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kilohertz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kilohertz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to PO Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's PO Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me/radiotaiwanintl. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me/radiotaiwanintl for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.